We are on Yevamos Samachay Amabe 65b, and we are up to the last uh, page of this parak, of this chapter. It's been a very interesting chapter with many different topics. Um, and the last major topic that we've been discussing is the mitzvah of Pru Uruvu, to have children. Uh, and this last Mishnah concludes this topic of the mitzvah of Pru Uruvu, of having uh, children. And so we will cover this Mishnah in this one recording in complete Samachem Be 65b. Um, and the Mishnah says as follows Ha'ish Mitsuva Avaloa Isha. The first opinion, the Tanakama, says that only men are commanded in the mitzvah of Puruvu, in the mitzvah of having children, but not women. Rabbi Yochum ben Bruka, Omer, Rabbi Yochum ben Bruka argues, he's the second opinion he argues, and he says, no. Al Shneimu Omer. It's, it says, when, when the Torah tells us about the commandment of having children, in the very beginning of the Torah, to Adam and Chava, to Adam and Eve, it says it in the plural. It says it in the plural uh, that you should have children. It is mentioned multiple times, as we'll see in the Gemara, the mitzvah of having children. It is mentioned multiple times. Uh, but the very first time that it's mentioned, it says it in the plural. And so therefore it's referring to both men and uh, women. Uh, the Gemara will, will explain what exactly is the source for the first opinion to say that, it, that it's specifically a commandment for men and not for women. But ultimately, that first opinion also has to deal with the question of, well, the first time that it's mentioned in the Torah, it says it in the plural. So what do you do with that? So Tosos gives uh, one explanation, and he says that when it's mentioned there the first time, it's not a commandment. It's not mentioned as a commandment, but it's... A bracha, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to them that they should have kids, but not that it's a commandment for them to have kids. However, there is a very interesting explanation given by the commentator called the Meshech Chachma. Uh, and he explains as follows. He says that why is it that women are not commanded? Well, what's the logic behind this? It's true, we'll have a source. The Gemara will come up with a source in the Torah, but what is the underlying reason? Uh, in general, we say that women are just as obligated as men are when it comes to mitzvahs in the Torah, unless it's a time-bound mitzvah. There's a few other exceptions, but the major exception is that if it's a time-bound mitzvah, women are exempt. A few other mitzvahs women are also exempt from, but for the vast majority of the mitzvahs, they are equated exactly with men. So why would this be different? So the Meshachachma explains, because the Torah is dirachah darcheinom. Its ways are ways of pleasantness. And the Torah will not command somebody to do something which is dangerous. And pregnancy and giving birth is dangerous. And so therefore the commandment can be given to men, but we cannot make a commandment for women. And he continues to explain this is why Adam and Eve, they were both commanded. Why? Because before the sin of eating from the Etzadas, from the Tree of Knowledge, uh, there was no pain in childbirth. It was the punishment. The punishment from that sin was that there would be pain during childbirth. Prior to that, there wasn't pain. And prior to that, the commandment was really on both men and women, and which is why it's stated in the plural, because that commandment was given to us before they, Adam and Eve, before they committed the sin of eating from the tree of uh, the Itzadah, so the tree of knowledge. Uh, so therefore he explains they were both commanded only after they committed the sin and only afterwards now that there's a pain the punishment is that there's pain during childbirth for women so now women are not commanded obviously in order for men to fulfill the mitzvah they need women 
uh, it's uh, it's necessary, and uh, they are the ones who give birth uh, to the children. But the Torah itself cannot command women to uh, fulfill this mitzvah because of the pain and the uh, the danger that is involved. Okay. Uh, so now we'll begin the Gemara. The Gemara says, What is the source for this first opinion? Where, where do they come from to say that only men are commanded but not women? So we'll have two sources. says the name of The Pasuk says, The verse says, That you should fill the land and conquer it. What do you mean conquer it? That it's the way of men to conquer uh, but not for the way of women to to conquer, and so therefore it's limited to men. The Gemara says, "Wait a minute, Adraba v'kivshua tarti mashma." The word v'kivshua, the word to conquer, itself is uh, said in the plural. We say that in the plural, so that would imply both men and women. So the answer is no. Amar v'nachem b'yitzak v'kavsha ksiv. That it's it's true. It's uh, we read it in the plural, but it's written in, in the singular. There are certain verses. There are certain words that they are pronounced differently than the way they are written. And this is one of them. And it is written in the singular. And since it's written in the singular, it's there to tell us that it's limited only to men. It doesn't apply to both. It's interesting that we say it. When we pronounce it, we say it for both. Uh, but when, when, the way it's written is only for uh, one unit, for only for men. So that is the first source. Rav Yosef comes with the second source. Rav Yosef, Amar Mehacha, Rav Yosef says it comes from here. A different place in the Torah where... It mentions the mitzvah or the concept of having children, but there it says it in the singular. It says it in the singular and not in the plural to tell you that it only applies to men and not to women. So these are two of the sources for this first opinion, the opinion that we, we follow. We follow this first opinion to say that it only applies to men and not uh, to women. Now, since we follow this opinion, there could be other various ramifications uh, with regards to to who is obligated in this mitzvah of having children. For example, we know there's a prohibition uh, for a person to uh, either to remove their uh, organs, their sexual organs, or to prevent themselves from having being ha- having the ability to have children, that this is a prohibition. The question is, does it only apply to men, or does it also apply to women? Well, if the mitzvah of Puravu, the mitzvah to have children, only applies to men, so then perhaps this prohibition only applies to men and not to women. So this would be very practical when it comes to uh, different pills that women take uh, that will, um, if, if they, God forbid, or have a certain illness, um, certain medicine for, for different illnesses, uh, prevent women permanently from ever having children again. Um, and perhaps uh, there's a much more room to be lenient with regards to women than for men. Another practical ramification could be uh, the prohibition of hashchasa zera levatala to uh, discharge semen for no reason uh, outside the context of the marital act itself, of the sexual relations. Uh, there's a prohibition for men to release semen for no reason. The question is, do are women also part of that uh, prohibition? Do they violate uh, this uh, this commandment uh, if they were involved in, in having the semen go to waste? So that might also depend upon whether or not they actually are involved in this mitzvah or not. Um, and that would be another ramification if you hold that it only applies to men and not to women, which is the opinion that we follow. Uh, the Gemara now continues and goes on a side topic. Because we mentioned 
a statement by Rabbi Lai in the name of Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon, the Gemara now has two other statements in his name. So Vamar Rabbi Lai Mishim Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon, not connected to the mitzvah of Puravu, to the mitzvah of having children, but because we mentioned his name, we're going to discuss other uh, statements that he said. Uh, so he says, Kishim Shemitzah just like there's a mitzvah for a person to uh, give rebuke if the person will listen. Uh, so too, just like there's a mitzvah to say something when, a, when you know that the person you're talking to will listen, so too there's a mitzvah to keep quiet when you know that they won't listen. There's a mitzvah to keep quiet. Not only that, Rabbi Abba Amar Chova, Rabbi Abba Amar says not, it's not just a mitzvah, it's not just a good idea, but there's an obligation. There's an obligation to keep quiet. If you know they're not going to be able to, not going to listen, so then keep quiet. Chenemar. As the verse says, Al penis Quotes a verse to say that it's an, in fact an obligation uh, to keep uh, quiet. Now this is actually not so simple. There's a Gemara which seems to imply the opposite, that you should rebuke even if they're not going to listen. Um, and so there's perhaps different, some of the commentators say there's a difference whether it's in public versus in private, that in public if the public are not going to listen, so then you shouldn't say anything. But in private, even if they're not going to listen, you should say something. Uh, you should say something just to show that uh, you disagree. You should, there's, a, there's a value in 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 mentioning something and in, in 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 just declaring that this is wrong, even if the person you know that you, you assume the person won't listen. Others make it. There's also a distinction between whether it's a biblical mitzvah or a rabbinic mitzvah. For a biblical mitzvah, you should say something. For a rabbinic mitzvah. If they're not going to listen, anyways, so then uh, you, perhaps you should you should keep quiet, as it says. There's an obligation to keep quiet, as as we just mentioned from our Gemara. Okay, the last name of Rabbi Lai, Amar Rabbi Lai, Mishum Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon, Hashalom. He says the statement that a person is allowed to lishanos, not to lie necessarily, but to alter, to change the truth. If it's for the purposes of peace, that peace overrides um, overrides truth, and that a person can bend the truth uh, for the sake of peace. That peace is such a great value that that overrides um, uh, saying the truth. In fact, there's not even an explicit uh, pasuk verse that says that the person has to say the truth, because sometimes there are times where a person is not supposed to say the truth. Certainly when it comes to within Beisdom, within the court system, so then a person has to say the truth. But there are other circumstances where a person is supposed to bend the truth or lie. And this is one of the cases if it's for the purposes of peace. Uh, you have to be very careful about it. You can't uh, abuse this uh, heter, this, uh, le- this leniency or this allowance to uh, to bend the truth. Uh, but it is allowed if it's for the sake of peace. What's the source for this? Anasana. The Gomer, the brothers of Yosef, they were afraid that after their father Yaakov died, uh, that uh, Yosef would then take revenge. And therefore, the brothers they uh, bent the truth and they told Yosef about something that Yaakov said. That Yaakov said that uh, you shouldn't take revenge, uh, even though Yaakov never actually said it. So they did it for the sake of peace, so that there's peace amongst the brothers. They said that Yaakov, when he was alive, he said that you uh, you shouldn't take revenge. Rav Nosson Rav Nosson says that not only is it allowed mitzvah, it's a mitzvah. Uh, a certain uh, encounter between Hashem and Shmuel uh, that Shmuel is going to find out uh, about where Shmuel is going to appoint a king. 
Um, and Shaul is going to get upset and is going to kill him. So Hashem tells Shmuel, you know what? Go ahead and lie. Say that you're, where are you going? Don't say that you're going to appoint the king. Say that you're going uh, to bring a sacrifice. So Hashem told him to lie. So there's a mitzvah to lie. And finally, the last name, it is Debei Rabbi Shmuel, Tana, the house of Rishmal taught, not only is it a mitzvah to lie, but Gadol HaShalom Shavakadosh Baruch Hu Shinebo. Even Hashem himself, he changed, he bent the truth for the sake of peace. How do we know this? What's the source for this? Because when Sarah found out from the angels that she was going to have a child, and she laughed, she said, how am I going to have a child? Avram, my husband, is so old. And when Hashem relayed this uh, story back to Avram, so then for the sake of peace, he wasn't going to say that your wife said that you're so old. No, that's not, uh, that's not nice. So he said that, Sarah said that she herself is old when, when Hashem, when God told over the story uh, about what Sarah laughed about. She, he said that Sarah said that she herself is old and not about the fact that her husband is old. So Hashem himself also bent the truth for the sake of peace. Okay, that concludes the two statements of of um, Rabbi in the name of Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon. The Gemara now discusses who do we follow, going back to our Mishnah. We had in our Mishnah this dispute uh, between the first opinion, the Tanakama, and Rabbi Yochan of Broka. Do we say that women are commanded in the mitzvah of Puruvu, to have children, or not? So the Gemara says, Itmar, Rabbi Yochan, Rabbi Shua ben Levi, Chadam Ralachik, Rabbi Yochan ben Broka, Chadam Ralachik, Rabbi Yochan ben Broka. There's a dispute between Rabbi Yochan and Rabbi Shua ben Levi. Do we follow the position of Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka or not to say that women are also obligated? But we don't know who said what. We don't know what Rabbi Yochanan said. We don't know what Rabbi Shobh ben Levi said. But we know that one said that we, we follow one opinion. The other one said we follow the other opinion. So the Gemara wants to know, well, what did Rabbi Yochanan hold? This time, the Rabbi Yochanan who we could prove that Rabbi Yochanan is the one who says that we follow the first opinion, that only men are obligated. How do we know this? Uh, because the Yosef Rabbi Yavau, Bukamar Mishmej Rabbi Yochanan Alacha, uh, because of the following story, Rabbi Avo said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that the halacha is that both are obligated and Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi, they turned their face away from Rabbi Avo, saying that they disagree. Rabbi Yochanan never said that. Rabbi Yochanan said it's only for men. Now, there's a different version of Rabbi It wasn't Rabbi Avo, but it was Rabbi Chiyabar Abba, the same thing. Amar, Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Chiyabar Abba said it. In the name of Rabbi Yochanan, that women are also obligated, and Rabbi Nirvasi turned their faces around. They didn't respond, but they turned their faces around to show that they disagree. That's not what Rabbi Yochanan said. Rabbi Yochanan said that only men are obligated. So Rabbi Papa just has a, he has a statement that where he says, "I'm Rabbi Papa Bishlam Alamanda, I'm Rabbi Avo, I'm Rabbi Shum Kavod Be Kesar, Lo Amr Levi Lo Midi Alamanda, Amar Rabbi Chia Bar Abba, Amra Lemru Le Lo Rabbi Yochanan Hachi." Rabbi Papa says that the first version seems to be more accurate. Why? Because the first version is with Rabbi Avo. It's really the same thing. It's just uh, different people talking. First version was Rabbi Avo. Second version was Rabbi Abba. And the first version was Rabbi Avo. So it made sense that they didn't respond back. Rabbi Amir Avasa didn't want to respond back to Rabbi Avo because he was involved in the government. Out of respect for somebody who's involved in the government, they weren't going to outright disagree with him, but they would turn their back towards him to show that they disagree. But they wouldn't verbally disagree uh, with him. Uh, if it was Rabbi Barabbas, so then why wouldn't they just say so? Let them just disagree. Why, why do they have to turn their backs away? So that's why he just uh, points out a parenthetical point that the first version seems more accurate. In the end of the day, we have this dispute between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Shubh and Levi, and we don't know which one exactly 
which one holds it. Where it says, my Havala. At the end of the day, what do we follow? What do we follow uh, be- between these two opinions? Are women obligated or are they not obligated in the mitzvah to have children? Tashma, so they want to bring a proof. In the shul in Kesari, Kesar. Uh, there was the following story of Amar Yotzeb eating suba. She, the wife, wanted to get divorced. Why? Uh, because she claimed that she wasn't able to have children with her husband. And Rebilchanan says that, okay, get divorced, but, and you also receive your ksuba money. You're allowed to receive your ksuba money, which is, as the Gemara is going to point out, a bit strange. A woman, if she, if she forces the divorce, so then she does not receive her ksuba money, the money that the husband promised when uh, how he will support her at the end of the marriage, if the marriage ever um, ends, whether it's by death or by divorce. Uh, but if she's the one who's ending the marriage, so then she should not get her ksuba. She should not get her money. Um, she wouldn't get her money if she's the one who initiates. So the question is, why does she get the money in this case? She's the one who initiated. initiated. She said, I'm not having children with, with my husband. I'm not able to have children with my husband. So the wants to say, you know what? It's because she has a valid uh, complaint. Because it must be that she is obligated in the mitzvah of Puruvu. Since she's obligated in the mitzvah of having children, so she's claiming, well, I'm not able to fulfill this mitzvah. I have to get divorced. It's against my will. I have to get divorced. And so therefore she should get, she should receive her ksuba. She's not leaving the marriage uh, for the wrong reasons. It's for the right reasons. It's in order to have children so that she can fulfill her own mitzvah. So it seems to be that there is a mitzvah. That's why Rebbe Hanan says she could, get her, she could receive her ksuba. But the Gemara says, no, wait. Maybe that's not true. Uh, maybe she has a different claim. Not that she has the mitzvah to have children. No. It's a different claim. What's that claim? There was a certain story of a woman who came in front of Ravami. So she said to Ravami, I need to get divorced. I'm not have, I'm not able to have children with this current husband. And give me my ksuba. And he said to her, no, what are you talking about? You're not obligated in the mitzvah of having children. It's not a valid excuse for you just because you're not able to have children because you're not obligated in the midst of having children. So she said back to him, this woman said back to him, when I get older, who's going to take care of me? I need to have children. Forget about the mitzvah of having children, but I need to have children. The reason why I'm claiming I need to have children is for when I get older. Who's going to take care of me? Um, so that's that's the claim that she made. So this is a Amar Kiha Vaday Kafinon, and he said, you know what? If that's the case, this is a valid claim, independent of the fact. Forget about the fact whether or not she's obligated in the mitzvah per se, but she wants to have children so that somebody will take care of her when she's older. That's a good enough, uh, good enough reason to get divorced, and she should get receiver ksuba. And we have a similar story. A woman came in front of Nachman. Amar la, he said to her, So same thing. She is not able to have children. She wants to get divorced, and he says, "No, you're not obligated in the midst of having children. It's not a valid uh, claim to say that you should get divorced because you're not able to have children because you're not obligated to have children." Okay, so don't have children. She says back, Amar la, no. I need somebody to take care of my burial. I need somebody to take care of me. So I need to have children. So that itself is a, is a good claim. So then that, okay, we will force them to get divorced because that is a good claim and you deserve your ksuba. So in the end of the day, we don't have any clear proof 
whether or not uh, we follow the position to say women are obligated or are not obligated because uh, when we said that she was, she wants to leave the marriage because she's not able to have kids, maybe it's because she's obligated in the mitzvah uh, to, to have ch- children also and she can't fulfill the mitzvah right now. Or perhaps, no, she's not obligated, but she's making the claim that I want to have kids. So there's somebody to take care of me when I get older. Uh, and that itself would be a valid claim. So it's, uh, it's unclear still in the Gemara. The Gemara continues with a very interesting story. Yehuda and Chizkiah, they were twins. They were twins. And Echa Nigmar Tzirasa Lutzav Tishav, Echa Nigmar Tzirasa Lutzchilas Shiva. And one of them came out at full term, at the end of the nine months, and the other one came out in the seventh month. They came out at different times. And apparently, uh, even though this is certainly very rare, apparently there was a story like this a couple of decades ago where also there was twins and they were born at different uh, times entirely. Uh, but that was the case here of Yehudah and And apparently this caused a lot of pain. Obviously every pregnancy has a lot of pain uh, involved, but this was this was excruciating pain for the mother, for Yehudis, um, uh, for, for the mother. So Yehudis to be sayo de tsar leida. So Yehudis, who is the wife, she's the mother of these twins. She had lots of pain, and what did she want to do? Shani So she changed, she changed her clothing. She uh, uh, she hid herself uh, and uh, her identity. She comes in front of her husband, who is the big rabbi. Also the kameder Amra is a so she t- asks her husband, but this is in disguise. Her husband doesn't realize it's really her, and she asks, "Are women obligated in having children?" Amra and he says, "No." So what does she do? Azla sama dakarsa. So she goes and she uh, takes the takes a pill where she's no no longer able to have children. In the end, her husband the one who she asked him, so he finds out about this, and Amra it would have been good if uh, we had at least another one other set of twins. Why? Because they had two sets of twins until now. They had Yehuda and Chizkiah, and they led to they were Torah giants, and they also had two girls who were twins, Pazi and Tavi. They fulfilled the mitzvah already at Puravu of having children, uh, but uh, they had two sets of twins who were great people. They were both great people. And he said, uh, it would have been good if we had another set of twins. It would also be great. Um, and that was his statement. But in the end of the day, the Gemara does seem to say that if it's causing significant amount of pain, uh, you have to know the circumstance. They already fulfilled the mitzvah of Puravu in this case. They already fulfilled the mitzvah of having a boy and a girl. Uh, and uh, he allowed her to, uh, to take a pill where she would no longer be able to have uh, children. So this, uh, this leniency is also brought down. How far we take it is a big discussion uh, to be lenient to say that if, if, if having kids will cause an extreme amount of pain, uh, different types of pain, the whole uh, it's a big topic. When are they? When are women allowed to take a pill that will forever uh, no longer allow them to have children? Just to conclude the next couple of lines, and this concludes the chapter and also this daf. The Gemara says, "V'lo mifkdi." Is it really true? that they are not obligated, that women are not obligated. We saw from this last story that women are not obligated in the midst of having children. Is that really true? We have the following statements. There was a certain story of, of a woman who was, she was owned by 
two different masters. They they had a partnership uh, in her. She she made herself into um, a slave. She was a slave, um, and half of her one one of the masters freed her. So now she's half free and half a slave. So she's half free, half a slave, and now she can't marry anybody. She can't marry a Jew, and she can't marry uh, a non-Jew. Uh, she's half and half, um, and they freed her so that uh, so that you. It seems as though so that you'd be able to get married. Why did she have to get married so badly? So that she could have kids. That implies that there's a mitzvah for her to have children. The fact that they freed her, they freed, her, they forced the other master to free her so that she could get married. So doesn't that imply that she? Why is she getting married? Because there's a mitzvah to have children. The Gemara says no. Not necessarily a proof. No, it's because she because she knew that she wasn't able to get married, so then she basically um, just let she was free basically and uh, uh, was having sexual relations with uh, many people um, because she knew that she wasn't able to get married, and as a result of that, they said, you know what, better for her uh, to be free completely so that she could have uh, a normal, healthy relationship. Uh, and get married, um, and so that's that's what they did. Not because she's obligated in the midst of having children, uh, but because it's better for her uh, to be married than to be this woman who's totally what we refer to in the Gemara as mafker herself. She just lets herself be with many different people. Um, so, in the end of the day, we follow a position that says that only men are obligated, not women, um, and that is the conclusion of the Gemara. This ends this week's stuff and concludes our chapter we will begin a totally new chapter with new topics in the next recording